All right. Hello, beautiful nerds. And thank you for being here. Thank you for making a commitment to your health process. Uh, today, Ruth and I are going to be reintroducing movement projects to the 2022 Foot Nerd experience. And I say reintroducing because in the previous iterations of the Foot Nerd project, we had various projects. Um, and these were things like positions to reclaim, uh, beam progressions to master. There was even a med meditation challenge and a fasting challenge. And early on in the new framework, Ruth made an observation that we were sort of lacking a movement component in block one. So she added some little movement challenges in there. But after some discussion, we decided um, it would be a good idea to reintroduce a new, new version of project specific to movement. And so movement projects are going to be a way to sort of give structure to an underlying aspiration that I think we should all share as foot nerds, which is to restore natural movement patterns and positions. So in this brief video, we're going to cover sort of four main parts. Uh, we're going to talk about the concept of movement projects, why they're important, talk about accountability, and then the notion of this being sort of a template and not a prescription so that there's both, you know, there's kind of like a broad array of there's flexibility if you want it, but there's also um, some structure if you're if you are more keen to take um, to require more structure to achieve your objectives. So let's start with just the concept of movement projects. And Ruth, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what came to mind when we first started talking about movement projects, and then uh, we can dive into the more concrete stuff of like exactly what it is. Okay, so I I started thinking about the movement projects. Well, one of the things that we've talked about ever since I've been a foot nerd and listening to the um, the big picture of what the foot collective and the foot nerd experience was going to be was that we would continue to evolve and we would have this hive mindset, this emergence that would just take place because we have a lot of really um, keen people learning so many different things and from so many different backgrounds and, and varieties of experience. And what I noticed as we started the, with this new framework is that we have a, a big variety of people in different parts of their movement exploration and their movement journeys, like people with injuries who are just starting, you know, just starting to notice or people who are just starting to go barefoot and people who have been living this lifestyle for a really long time and really use movement as, you know, move all day and are not sedentary exercisers or so we have so many different varieties. Um, and then, yeah, so we've evolved very quickly is what I'm noticing, you know? So in the Foot Nerd uh, program, when I first started, we had uh, a set of projects that we would all go through and, and, they, and they were rigorous, you know, like the beam projects, the ninja squats on the beam, the, but because all this information is also accessible to a lot of people in the public, people who are in the foot nerd experience now have also already started to progress along the pathway. And so that's why I think it, it was so great on your part to create this structure where everybody can design their own projects. Yeah, I think the self-directed part of it is really important. Um, so let's just briefly talk about what is what is the movement, what are movement projects? And the concept was to create a new, for each nerd to create a new movement objective for themselves with each 60 day block. So there's six blocks of 60 days, a two month chunk, you basically pick your own experiment that you wanna do for those 60 days. 
Um, and that project has a couple different elements. So number one is choosing the objective, right? And I think that's really the most important part because you have to, it has to be something practical and um, something you have a high motivation to want to achieve. And it has to be realistic also. So basically choosing what you want to accomplish, turning that objective into something very concrete, right? Something very specific, um, designing a recipe or a plan in order to achieve, achieve that objective, logging data as you work towards it, and then sharing with your partner and your pod um, what you're working on, and then also looking to them and the Footner community um, at large for support, right? Like we have people, we have some Footners that are like hand balancing experts. Mm -hmm. Some Footners are really good at juggling. Um, and so we have all these diverse people with these different movement skills and expertise. So we have a big group of people to be able to look to for help and support. Um, and so sharing it with others so that others can witness your progress and so that you can witness theirs, whether it be the challenges or the wins or the insights that are gained. And then including sort of like a mini debrief inside that 60 day period to basically reflect on, okay, well, how did this movement project go? Did I achieve what I wanted to achieve? What were the big struggles? What were the things I learned? Uh, how do I take what I learned with this movement project and apply that in next blocks movement project? So I think the concept is create a movement project for yourself of something you want to work on for the next 60 days. It doesn't have to be every day, but craft a plan to say, this is my objective. This is why I want to achieve that objective. This is my plan. And then this is the concrete objective that I'm going to work towards. Um, and yeah, I think that that loosely held self-directed structure is a template. So it's not to say like you have to do it this way, but it gives someone like a blueprint to be able to, uh, you know, it's like a coloring book, right? You get the book, there's a bunch of lines, but how you color in that book is totally up to you. And so what we're trying to do is give a, a blueprint for, for um, a 60-day rolling movement project that can be carried through the program. Mm -hmm. That's so great. And I, I want to um, illustrate, because I've been through the Foot Nerd program a couple of times, that many of us really love to move and do different projects, but the constraint of the 60-day part is just so exciting to me because why it, is it exciting it, to you it's exciting to me because it gives it gives it forces me to choose something mm. and then within that constraint of 60 days it's like you don't you you eliminate the freedom i mean the burden of choice right so like yes. i personally love working on handstands but i find that i procrastinate i do a little bit of everything or i'll start one thing and then and then a couple of weeks go by and i haven't really given myself to all of the things that i love to do so the 60 day constraint is so great i, I i'm excited because i'm going to i'm practicing this as we go along too so i find myself thrilled to this to have a project to work on for 60 days and then i don't have to think about anything else i know what mm. i'm doing and within so i like the idea of the structure and the freedom but the constraint is actually i think really important and this was something that the foot nerds spoke to us a lot or i've observed as the tribe mama um we had this accountability buddy channel in slack and it was so funny nick because we actually we started off holding each other accountable but there was like actually not enough constraint in there. Like we didn't mm. have a time frame. We, I don't think, I think this was the missing piece actually. And then the accountability channel, nobody was accountable for accounting for anything. And we just kind of drifted all away from our projects. So I think this is going to be very interesting. Yeah. I think the constraint um, and the, the clarity of a concrete goal within that constraint period 
um, basically just facilitates focus, right? It eliminates your choice to be distracted and to find the new shiny thing to work on because the old one's not as exciting, right? And um, sharing or, it with others. Or when it gets hard. Or when right? it gets hard, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's a really good practical application of incorporating the principles of behavior design into your own life and into your own learning process. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to talk about why, why do we feel these movement projects are important? I have a couple points listed. So um, oftentimes a structured approach to achieving an objective and having a, a real plan in place facilitates you actually meeting that objective. Um, I think these movement projects are going to be a beautiful self-directed outlet for play. So intentionally choosing what playful movement challenge you want to embark on, I think is kind of, it's like continuing to maintain the, the, the notion of play, but doing it within a structured context so that you actually have like a path ahead, right? Like in order to get to where you want to go, you got to know where you want to go first. And oftentimes we define it so loosely that we get lost, not because, um, we're not focusing on it, but because we didn't actually set a clear enough intention of where to go. Um, Guilty. I think it's also a really good opportunity to sort of witness and be witnessed by others as we work towards goals. Um, it's also, I think, a really good application of setting realistic and concrete objectives, creating an explicit plan, following through on that plan, and working through the struggle and reflecting on the struggles you worked through uh, and the wins that you had, right? We're just like kind of formalizing this into a more a, sort of a tighter experiment, right? Instead of just like a free-for-all, it's like buckle down on some constraints to give you a tighter framework to work within. And I think that clarity will really help. Um, and, you know, we talk about behavior design, that, that formula by BJ Fogg, behavior equals movement, ability, and prompt. So, you know, picking a, an objective that you, you may not have the ability to do now, but is realistic for you to gain the ability, engineering prompts, which can just be like a checklist or putting a piece of equipment somewhere you walk by every day, but I think the element that is really important is, is when we decide what objective we want to embark on, we have to have a high enough motivation to want to achieve that. Like the reason for wanting to do this has to be high enough, has to be important enough and meaningful enough to us that when it gets hard, the motivation will supersede the difficulty of the challenges. So I think it's a really cool practical application of behavior design, really. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about accountability because I think everyone defines accountability different. And I think most people think that like someone has to force you to do like, you know, I, the picture I think most people get is like with accountability is I get a personal trainer that yells at me if I don't do things or, or make sure I shows up, I show up. And I don't think that's really like a, an accurate portrayal of the way I think about accountability because most of the accountability in my life is self accountability. And to hold myself accountable, I have to have something really concrete so I don't fool myself into thinking I did what I said I was going to do because I didn't define it very tightly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on accountability and how it relates to the movement projects? The accountability, there's like synonyms for accountability, like you're saying. I think we get maybe caught up in that those old definitions or like what, maybe like parenting or kind of like somebody supervising your situation but I think like a mirror is a good synonym for accountability like if I tell my learning partner that what I want to do is this is for the next 60 days to work on my jump roping skills then um, I think what that does is just reflect back to me that I said I wanted to do that right right so it's that witness being witnessed like a social and contract witnessing. you've created yeah and then 
And then what I was saying earlier before we started recording is that I find that it, it starts, you start to feel the resistance creeping in. Like, I don't know what I want to tell my learning partner. <laughs> I don't know what I want to do. I don't, <laughs> but, but, the, but that kind of squirming in your skin a little bit is like the, that process. It's like, how do I narrow it down? What am I going to say? Is it going to be true? I think that's the, those are the physiological, like visceral signs that we're on the right track. If you start to feel that squirmy feeling, mm-hmm. um, if you're not practiced at this, some of you may just be like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. This is like a no brainer. But um, and then you pick like, you know, hand gliding through Australia or something as your <laughs> goal. <laughs> but um, the witnessing part, I think, and the accountability, what I, I find is that like little by little, it, there's like these pathways that are laid down in accountability where it starts to bleed into the rest of my life where I just start to hold myself accountable naturally for not procrastinating. Like I was telling you on, on media tech, kind of like calling the customer service at the GoPro, you know, guys, which I've been putting off for a year, all of a sudden it's kind of fun. Like something when you start to hold, when you start to have success with your, with somebody that you're working with and then like little dopamine squirts get in there, you know, where you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm on the right track. And being accountable to myself is actually kind of fun. Yeah. I think that's, that's confidence, right? It's like, yeah, Oh, it's wow. Still- I actually set an objective and I can, and I have the tools now to plan how to do it. And I know the little nuggets that I have to do to build up to reaching this thing. So it's not as intimidating. And then I actually reached it. And now I have more confidence to set more ambitious goals or to mm-hmm. set um, you know, goals that will push me to grow beyond my current abilities in a way that I wouldn't have done before. Um, so yeah, I think the knock on effects are huge, even with just setting a movement project for each 60 day chunk, you know, can result in so many personal insights that carry over into other areas Mm -hmm. of your life that might be completely unrelated. So yeah, I can, uh, that resonates with me a lot. And Nick, it's pretty hilarious because uh, as you know, I'm with, I'm with a group of foot nerds who are auditing, who have, we've been through the foot nerd program before and I'm on day three and I am, I feel, I feel so excited. Like I just putting the stuff in my proof of work log, yep. I, I feel like I'm on a high or something. Like right before we started recording, I was like, oh my God, this feels so great. I am accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in the honeymoon phase. <laughs> I'm in the honeymoon phase. It'll, I'll let you know how it goes. There you go. Day three, um, it's day three, Nick, it's day three. There you go. Day three. That's, um, I mean, it's about stringing days together and that's like, that is the work. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, and then I'll go through a couple just kind of, um, examples from my life of recipes of, of just tangible examples. And the last thing I want to cover is that this is a template, not a prescription. And so it is up to every individual to customize their movement project, to make it their own. Maybe you don't want to do 60 days. Maybe you want to do 30 days. Totally up to you. These are just suggestions. Um, I think the big things to get across are choose a meaningful objective. If the most time you spend is just sort of musing on what thing do I want to choose to do, it's better to take longer in choosing what you're going to work on for the next 60 days than it is to choose something uh, without putting thought into it and then losing motivation or being like, ah, it turns out that wasn't really something I wanted to do. So spend lots of time and energy thinking about what you want your objective to be and also design some flexibility, right? Like if you meet your objective in like uh, 22 days, you're like, well, that was a bit too easy, build on top of it. So make it your own. Um, I think another point is is that success should be based on 
getting the work done and following your plan, not necessarily the outcome, because the outcome is just like something in the distance that you want to reach. The path to get there is uncertain. There's no right or wrong path. Whether you actually reach there or not is not actually even the most important part. The, the important part is, did you put an honest effort into meeting the plan that you created and moving towards that objective? Not necessarily whether you actually got there or not. Um, and how far you end up at the end of that 60 days is a really good lesson of building uh, or um, creating achievable, realistic goals. Um, so it's really just about learning, not necessarily the objective. Um, so I want to give a couple just examples of recipes, which is really just a tightly knit sentence saying what I want to do concretely, how I'm going to do it, and what are what are my prompts or what am I going to use to hold myself accountable. So right now I'm learning how to play the Darbuka drum, which is like this Turkish drum. So my recipe that I use every day is practice for at least five minutes every morning between 8 and 9 a.m. Um, for 30 days straight and I have a daily checklist where I literally check it off and I can look at that checklist. That checklist is my proof of work. Uh, the drum is somewhere I have to walk by every day. So that's my prompt. Um, looking at that daily checklist is also my prompt. And, you know, even though I say at least five minutes, it's often closer to like 20, 30 minutes. But if I just do five minutes, I can check my box off. So that's kind of my recipe. Practice at least five minutes every morning, working on new skills between eight and 9 a.m. and have a daily checklist to kind of write off uh, each day that I've done that. Um, another one that I did at one point was learning to juggle. So the objective for me was be able to juggle for 60 seconds straight without dropping any of the uh, hacky sacks. And my recipe was practice every evening right before I eat dinner and have a daily checklist that I mark it off. So that checklist, you know, putting the hacky somewhere that prompted me to remember to do that in that daily checklist that I already have a habit of checking every day was my prompt. Um, and then the last one, an example with balance would be something like the objective of being able to be balanced in tandem stance, which is one foot in front of the other on my beam for 90 seconds per side without falling. And the recipe would be practice every morning for at least five minutes, test myself weekly with seeing how, how close to that um, objective am I getting and have a daily checklist that I mark off every day I put in the work. So those are just some examples of recipes. Uh, I don't know if Ruth, you have any tangible examples of recipes you've made in your life? Well, Nick, as you know, I have not been at this as long as you have. So just listening to your recipe, I see where the hole in my recipe is. Where is and it? it's in the time it's in committing. I evidently have a problem with commitment. <laughs> I think anyone who doesn't say that uh, may not be being honest. So I, I haven't created the actual time. So I, in the past, I've done some similar, I follow your lead a lot. So I got that head punchy thing where Nick, Nick turned me onto this thing that's a headband and it has this elastic um, ball on the end and it comes back at you and you punch it. And so I, I, I would do that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't commit to the time. Like I like, I've gotten better. So I have one recipe that I do and it's the one thing that's stuck, but now it's time to build on it. So I, would, I get up every morning before, like I turn the coffee pot on and I go against the wall to do handstands, but I've mastered that against the wall handstand, Nick, nice. about a year ago. <laughs> there you go. Check that box off. And so, so now I have to, I have to build on it and I have to, I think I have to set a concrete time. 
Hmm. Um, so now the the handstand against the wall has become kind of remote. I'm not remote, rote. It's like, it's a no brainer. It's I'm on autopilot. I go yep. in, I do my handstand. I'll get a little blood in my brain. I'm like, yeah, that's good. Let me go drink my coffee. But now I'm, so now I'm ready to, to, um, work on the recipe a little bit better. And, and it's not like, you know, there's nothing wrong with these things that we do that mm-hmm. were like, there's always layers um, yeah. of awareness that you can attach to something, right? Like just being, just going into the upside, getting inverted. Oh um, yeah is like a ritual for you, but like feeling your wrists differently, playing with your breath, playing with your toe, like there's so many layers of so detail many. that you can go into. So like even the mundane things um, can become a quest for mastery by just trying to go into deeper detail. So yeah. And yeah. I just want to say one thing about like, I just want to say one thing about not being so hard on ourselves, right? Like if yeah. I never did anything else with the handstand, the fact of the matter is like you're saying is I go and I do a freaking handstand against the wall, which is, you know, it's something for someone in my fifties. That's, that's great. It's a part of my health ritual. It's not like it's a, it's not, I don't need to be, I don't need to be pushing myself so hard. Like it has to be play, but I, but, but, but we are holding each other accountable. And that is a blind spot because I do want to progress to being able to do a handstand in the middle of the ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the middle of the room without a support. So I need to make up a new recipe add some ingredients i gotta put some salt in that batter (laughs) yeah there you go add some spice to it i think self-regulation of knowing when to create a more ambitious objective versus when to just um feel good that you're showing up and doing whatever you've already mastered is very important right because it's so easy to always be setting objectives that are intense and like you have to do them but sometimes it's just you have to just self-regulate and be honest with yourself where it's like you know, and even from a, you know, a little physiotherapy based nugget, the best way to maintain shoulder health is through either traction or compression, because that's what lights up your whole rotator cuff in a very, uh, and, and helps center your humerus in your, in your scap socket. So just getting, putting load through your shoulders every day is incredibly good for shoulder health. Even if it's just for like 10 seconds, just mm-hmm. like hanging on something is very good. So even just your ritual that you have right now has huge benefits from a maintenance perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's really just, am I motivated enough to actually bite off a bigger objective? And if I am, what is that? What's the next tiniest step that I can bite off of, right? Instead of saying, I want to walk a hundred yards on my hands. It's like, well, maybe I want to see if I can get 10 seconds um, with my feet just off the wall. And that's the next tiny step. And so, you know, every time you have to increase the intensity of your objective, you're kind of learning different ways of engaging with the next tiniest step um and overshooting is part of the learning process right like you you bite off more than you can chew you're not motivated because it's too intimidating it's like okay well that's a lesson that i tried to create a a two my my objective was too ambitious so what is the what's the rewind of that what's the intermediary and that that in and of itself is a huge learning moment and insight that you can put in your health log so so that's pretty much it. So we're in this, uh, we've created a lesson file, which is 1.11, which kind of has uh, a framework of what we just covered, but also a bunch of notes that Ruth and I, Ruth and I wrote. Uh, it also has some kind of like a, the start of an idea list where if someone is struggling to choose an objective, you know, there's positions, skills, strength, mobility, and maybe there's other categories we can add. But I think the goal with this is over time, nerds can submit suggestions of projects, movement projects that they've uh, embarked upon. Um, 
And we can even add a section for layer two conversations in this, uh, in this kind of bonus lesson file for block one, where nerds can talk about their block one or, or any movement project they engage with and sort of like, just tell the story of, you know, the wins, the challenges, the, the lessons, the insights that they've learned. And over time, the hope is that these sort of idealists uh, can grow and provide a menu for people to be able to choose from, right? If you're not super creative or you don't know where to go, these are at least ideas that can maybe stimulate some creativity or provide some initial um, projects that you can just sort of tease out, try and see where you go. So that's it. That's it for the movement projects video. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a foot nerd and leading by example. And yeah. uh, we'll catch you in the next lesson. And this is proof of work, Nikki Pop. It is. It is proof of work and yeah. your movement projects and your health blog and just listening to this, having this go into your brain is proof of work. So thank you all for being here. Ciao for now, friends. Ciao for now.